As always, this is a special podcast here for the JRPG Report. This is going to be episode 5, and we're going to do something we've not done before, and I've never done before, and that's a spoiler cast. Um, we're going to be diving into The Legend of Heroes, The Trails of Cold Steel 3. So, um, at first we'll talk about a few things that uh, are general topics that anyone can listen to and it'll be just fine. Then we'll take a break. And after that, if you have not played this game and you're going to play this game or any games in the Cold Steel series, uh, you're going to want to turn this off if you are even listening to this at all because we're going to talk about everything it is a spoiler cast um for a reason um so let's kind of just talk about the first thing and this is very general as well uh the game length i've talked to a few friends who are either playing this right now or have played it and it does feel a bit long um, if you are a frequent listener to the podcast, you'll know my frustration with persona five in particular, that, uh, it took me over 120 hours to complete that game. And I certainly did not do everything and felt like that, that near the end, there was an extra gosh, 20 to 30 hours just kind of lumped in there that didn't really need to be in there. Now for cold steel three, I was at 102 hours and I guess it's probably a combination of not only my personal, um, situation right now is, you know, a, a working man with a family. There's just not that wanting to, to play hundred hour games necessarily anymore. Now in this game in particular, I don't feel like there was really too much extra that didn't need to be in there per se, but I mean, there must've been something that, that kind of led to this. I've been trying to kind of put my finger on what wasn't necessary. And in a large part, they are not only trying to kind of build the first two games into this one, but also introducing this whole new class and getting to know those characters certainly uh, took a bit of time to do that. So I do feel like it is a bit long. Um, in particular, I thought I had it beat only to have another uh, 10 to 15 hours put in there in order to wrap up the story. And while that was completely necessary, uh, don't get me wrong. Um, <laughs> anytime you think you got a game beat and then there's a whole bunch more, it does lead to some, uh, some frustrations to say the least. Um, in regards to the characters, the, the old class seven and the new class seven, um, when I first was playing it and you were kind of forced to play with the new class and, and just the three new characters in particular, I didn't particularly care for them. 
at that point, I felt myself really wanting to have my old crew in there, um, that I'd grown to, uh, to love and, um, and was so used to by the time the game opens up and, uh, the way it does it, if you haven't played it is at certain points in the, in the game, you'll get two or three characters from the old class will join your party for certain missions. Um, there are even segments where you are exclusively with um, the old class seven to fight. So kind of by the time that was rolling around, I would throw them in there, but did kind of find myself now getting used to and liking the new class and wanting to use them a little bit more. Um, by the end of the game, I was perfectly fine and liking and using the new class almost exclusively. Um, and kind of the exception was like Sarah, uh, she was vital to the party whenever she was available. We'll talk a little bit more about her, um, a little bit later. Um, let's talk about, uh, like I said, I want to talk about a few of the things first that we can talk about to kind of everybody. And, and one thing that this game does a little differently than the first two in the battle system aspect of it. And of course they give you that, uh, that sub courts ability. So not only are the master courts is, I feel like there are more, um, they can be more overpowered this time. Their abilities are greater by adding that second one and getting its primary, uh, feature or benefit, however you want to look at it you can really make some interesting combinations. So let's talk about my build at the end of the game. And honestly, it was to the point to where I was rocking and rolling and having not a whole lot of trouble with, uh, <laughs> with much of anything. Um, with Reen, so I would have uh, Brigid, which would... Um, give you awesome CP recovery to the point to where when I combined it with the true gladiator, gladiator headband with, I think you get 60% more CP gained from it. Reem basically became a CP monster to the point where I could do uh, his special attacks non-stop. Um, I really had very, very few times where he would just have to attack normally. Um, he was able to really go to town with those. And then I, uh, eventually ended up combining it with the, uh, Dunamis, <laughs> uh, Master Quartz, I believe it's called, which give his, gave him some HP recovery options through his attack. I think he got 10%, um, through each attack. So not only was he recovering CP like crazy, but he was keeping himself healed as well. And I found that just to be an unbeatable, uh, combination. Um, we'll just talk about the new class seven members, uh, in this one, uh, with Yuna, I'd had her kind of as a, uh, tank slash healer build. So I gave her a scold, which gave her, um, the break ability of, of causing extra damage to uh, break enemies, which that's basically the whole game. If you can break the enemies, you've won. Uh, it also gave her a small HP uh, recovery. 
option as well. And then combining that with the cannon uh, as the sub courts, which gave her all the uh, healing spells. And also, like, um, I think it gave like a three times ability or something like that by the end of the game um, of potency for recovery spells. No matter what situation I got into, even the most basic tier spell would fully recover uh, anybody. Uh, I gave her, you know, a quartz to she combined with that and like Siphonic Ring or something like that. There was nothing that could happen short of instant kills um, where they hit me for more than my HP. There was nothing I couldn't get myself out of with that combination. And just to add kind of insult to injury with her, I think I got the Ab- the Abed medal at the end or near the end, which gave a plus 600 defense to her uh, baseline stat. So she was basically at like double defense of the next highest character. And uh, strong enemies would hit her for one. <laughs> She just, she was this, the ultimate tank that uh, not only could not be hurt, but then could keep everyone alive um, in the process. It was kind of ridiculous. And I've never done this with a game before that I can recall to the point where I really wanted to build uh, this ultimate fighting team and then talk about the combinations. But uh, with Muse, uh, she became the arts dealer. And in particular, if you got her with Virgo, which that would, um, 60% of the time, your arts would hit critical, and it gave you EP recovery. Um, So that was pretty awesome. She had the uh, Titania as the subcourts, and so not only were you dealing massive damage, sometimes critical, that recovered 1% of your damage as EP, so I would cast basically the strongest spell I'd have. And let's say at the end, uh, even with some EP saving courts, you know, if it costs 300 EP, it wouldn't matter. I would do so much damage on that attack, especially with multiple enemies. Now, if it was just a single enemy, it wouldn't do this necessarily as much. But when you started adding up each enemy and then recovering 1% of that damage, I would basically be casting spells for nothing. <laughs> she could just keep going on and on and on and then gave her a couple of recovery spells just in case um, it need be. And I believe with Virgo, it had uh, your water spells that it gave you had half the recovery time. So she could quickly turn around and cast, cast the next one almost instantaneously uh, for her accessories. I definitely gave her two steel blues, which gave a plus 100, um, ATS and I think it even prevented mute if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, Muse definitely turned into uh, my Emma from before with just hitting them with those arts and just unrelenting. Um, you can certainly play this game. I think as more of just a straight damage dealers, but if I've got an option for an awesome mage, I'm going to use it. That's just me. Uh, finally rounding out <laughs> the lineup. Uh, I, I'll be honest, I kind of hated Kirk, Kurt, for the longest time. I never used him, didn't really see the point in him, 
um, for the options that I had it for a lot of times, I would run with uh, Ash instead and, and use him as a heavy uh, damage dealer, which he was fantastic for, don't get me wrong. But in particular, towards the end of the games, and in particular with boss battles, Kurt is invaluable if you set him up this way. First off, you got to give him get two evergreen accessories. And you may know where I'm going with this. You combine it with the Sirius Master Courts. Now, that'll give you a counter percentage um, that your counterattack will deal 600% damage. You combine that with the Evergreens and a couple other Evade uh, Quartzes, you can quickly get up. I think at one point I had 77% Evasion. So, you know, almost four out of every five times they're going to straight up Evade and they're going to counterattack. Now, if you put it at 600% increase on counterattack, he can quickly deal some heavy damage. Um, then I put, at, I think later on you get the uh, Aegis. Is that how you say that? Aegis? A-E-G-I-S? How do you guys say that word? I'm not sure. So that gave an 8% chance that you would attract the enemy's attention. So I would run him out there uh, in the front lines and then put him right in the thick of everybody. It's where he would not only be the closest person to the enemies, but you know they're likely to attack him anyway. At the end of the game, I've got a couple other little things. His evasion turned into 101%. He was basically unhittable, even... Um, Oh gosh, the how am I doing a Cold Steel Three um, podcast? And I have forgotten the name of <laughs> of that. Oh my goodness! Um, hang on, we'll just do this on the fly. I'm here um, at the computer, so you'll have to bear with me for a moment. And you're probably. Um, Probably yelling at me like, dude, are you serious? You can't do that. Anyway, your special attacks in um, in Cold Steel 3. You have your arts, obviously. Just bear with me. You know, I hardly even used the, uh, the four-player attacks. Um... That was something that just I didn't feel the need for. It was kind of uh, kind of interesting. I don't know why I didn't. Just um, I guess I would use the uh, two and three attacks sometimes, but not not really. Just something I didn't didn't feel the need to do. I can't believe I can't find the name of this. It's killing me. Your crafts. I'm sorry. Your crafts. So yes. I would do um, major crafts all the time. Uh, especially for Reen. He was non-stop 
on the craft. And I forgot where I was even going with this, uh, <laughs> going with this tangent. Um, but yeah, he couldn't be touched at any point in time. Um, especially in the boss battles to keep them from just wailing on your party, just have that evasion guy out there and he would counterattack every time, do major damage while my party just wailed and wailed and wailed on them. It was, it was kind of fun. It definitely helped though. Cause the game gets kind of brutal towards the end. Um, there's definitely some fights in there that, that aren't quite fair. Um, the last point I want to talk to kind of before we take a break and talk about some more, um, uh, specific stuff is the, there's a lot of voice acting in this game. Then there's a lot that's not voice acted. And I've got no problem with, uh, text. That's not really, that's not really it. There's so much dialogue in this game. It completely makes sense that there wouldn't be. I guess I was feeling that there would be more in this game, and I felt like there was kind of the same, if not possibly less than before. And maybe that's just because there's more dialogue, therefore there's going to be less voice acting in this. The problem I had, and this popped up a handful of times, is you would be in in a scene, and one character would voice act... But then, like, Reen would not, which was kind of weird. You'd think it'd be the other way around. They would have had all of Reen's um, acted if possible. And then it would go back to the voice actor. <laughs> and they would say their line. Then Reen, you'd have to talk. And then even in some, and, and this didn't happen that often, but a character would actually voice act. And then the next time they were supposed to speak, they wouldn't. It'd just be text. Um, I think that happened with Oliver in particular, I recall off the top of my head, but yeah, just kind of inconsistent voice acting. Um, and yeah, I definitely expected more of it. It would have been nice. Um, but a game of this size, I kind of understand, um, maybe why it didn't, but then again, they had a ton of time to work on it. So it would have been nice to have a little more voice acting in 2019 into 2020. Um, that's really the stuff I can, I feel like I can talk about to anyone who hasn't played it and wants to play it. You'll, you'll be okay with to this point. Um, let's take a quick break and we'll have a word from our sponsor anchor and then we'll get into some really, uh, some good stuff. Okay. We'll be right back. All right, guys, welcome back to part two of our spoiler cast for Trails of Cold Steel 3. My name is James Fisher. Thank you so much for tuning in on this. Well, we're recording this for Sunday, but you can obviously tune in whenever you would like. I hope you enjoy this one. Um, it's a little bit different, as Sunday specials always are. So one of my big beefs I had with this game, and don't get me wrong, I love this game. It's my game of the year for 2019. And I don't know if this was something that I did wrong, but I don't think so. I thought the romance options were pretty weak. Um, considering you had them in the first two games and could kind of pursue um, whomever you liked uh, as a student, now that Rain's an adult, you had 
I feel like there was no options to be quite fair. Um, at the very end, you know, you kind of made, uh, I made Laura blush <laughs> with my response. Um, I think I finally got, uh, Emma to, to do the same thing. Um, but I guess your romance options don't carry over from the first two. So it doesn't really matter. Cause Emma was definitely my girl in those. And it didn't seem to matter. The game kind of assumes it's Elisa, which I actually found Elisa to be a much better character in uh, in part three. And then she was just kind of awful <laughs> in the first two. I still wouldn't use her in battle, but as a person, um, she definitely was better in part three. But I mean, I, I completely understand that I, I didn't expect the game to allow you to date your students. That would have been weird. Um, even with all of Musee's <laughs> antics, uh, she was just a fantastic character, but yeah, very, um, very weird that you could not pursue. At least I felt like I couldn't really pursue anything, especially with Sarah or Claire as well. Uh, they seem to be, you know, into you and you could give them gifts and things would start to go one way. There's even the, the scene where, you know, you got the peck on the cheek from both of them uh, that night outside the train and then at the bar. And Sarah's line was classics like, what did she say? Like, um, I, I couldn't help you. You know, you went and, and saw the major first before seeing me. And I won't let you get away with that type of deal. That was hilarious. Um, and, and sorry, Sarah, I definitely would have went and talked to you first if I didn't know <laughs> that was going to happen. So yeah, the romance options were odd, and like I said, I didn't feel like you could really do much with it. I don't know if I was doing something wrong. I didn't feel like I was, but that was that was that was different. Um, yeah, like I talked before, both Kurt and then Fee, you could do this with as well. You can make them completely untouchable in battle with the right combinations of accessories and master courts. Uh, to the point of, yeah, 101 evasion tactic. Uh, evasion is something I've never even paid attention to, to be quite fair. Maybe I should have been, because that was just amazing. The the other thing I didn't like was Laura was my absolute tank warrior beast in 1 and 2. And I feel like she was underpowered quite a bit in this one. No matter what I did... She couldn't be even as strong as Reen. And um, and I could make Sarah more powerful than she was. And, uh, you know, when you're going through the game, um, it definitely makes Laura out to be quite the swordmaster, uh, carrying on the Arsade family name, even going up and, and, and challenging the Sandlot chick. Uh, Sandlot. <laughs> Say, saying a lot like it's the movie. Um, yeah, so I felt like she was just, she was almost unusable in battle. It was kind of weird. Like, I feel like Ash was more overpowered even than Laura was. I would I preferred using him when I had the option. So that kind of hurt, like, the the old Cold Steel fan inside of me. It was, it was very odd. Uh, but... Yeah, I guess overall, I still never used Machias. I had to use um, 
used this a handful of times, and he turned into a pretty decent magic user. Uh, but yeah, pretty much useless. Fee had her role from time to time. Alisa, pretty much useless. You know, backup character is best. Emma, I tried my best to make her into a great magic user, but I felt like she also was not as high-powered as Muse. So when I had the choice, I actually went with her. More often, that kind of hurt a little bit. Um, Gaius. He was, he's always been like, like top of tier two type of player for me. Um, he could definitely be very strong, but yeah. His uh his whole story, man, that was I didn't see that one coming. Um, it was kind of weird when he was away for so long, and then you know magically shows up at the right time, and now he's the uh, eighth Dominion disciple, and got all this weird magic stuff going on. Um, I did not, I did not expect that from a character progression standpoint. I guess it was interesting, and they needed something like that, but I wouldn't have guessed it. Um, would be from him, uh, Elliot, you know, still useless. Uh, <laughs> he is a great healer, but when you can put, uh, the cannon master quartz on anybody, that kind of turns anybody into a great healer. So it wasn't really, uh, needed for him, uh, either, uh, as far as like Milliam and Altina, those were both average characters. Um, I know a lot of people like them and, and would use them, but I never really found much of a use for them at all. Uh, so we've talked about most of the uh, non-huge end-of-game stuff. So I guess it's kind of time to get into that, and that's where we're going to head <laughs> head down that road. Let's, let's talk about... Um, characters let's talk about the old the old uh <laughs> old thor's graduates what in the world i mean toa obviously was toa she was great she did her part what happens with angelica what do you think um you know at the end toa says that that he that she thinks that that uh she wasn't dead um We'll talk about Georgian more in a minute, but um, I don't know. I don't know what to think. I didn't, like, I definitely used her a lot more in part two. I didn't really use her at all in part three. Um, she wasn't uh, as over-the-top hilarious a character as she was before. They kind of toned her down quite a bit. Like, I think she may actually be dead. I guess it's possible. I don't know. We don't know. But yeah, what in the world with George? Man, you, you, you couldn't help but like George. And then they go and give him a character redesign. And he kind of, he's not as chubby as he used to be. And he's old Copper George. <laughs> he's a bad guy. How is he a bad guy? Old lovable George is like a really mean bad guy who at least shoots at if did not if actually you know didn't show it but murders angelica what a punk why would he why would he do that working with the black workshop and all this time being a spy so you know obviously toa and angelica have some pretty poor tastes in friends 
if uh, George and Crow were their <laughs> best friends and both of them were uh, enemies. So speaking of Crow, what it doesn't at the very end, he kind of remembers who he is and jumps down there to, to jump in his uh, divine night. Um, he certainly looked pretty dead. And uh, so here's, here's what I'm thinking may happen. And this is going to tie into Gilead Osborne as well. Remember where Crow was uh, was injured in that fight. He got the old whatever scorpion tail looking thing through the heart. Same thing that happens with Osborne too. So I'm guessing this black workshop has a way of making you survive without your heart. Now, it doesn't seem like there's anything there. Because as we learned about with Osborne, he that whole scene was just crazy. So he gives up his heart to Reen. Obviously he couldn't have just ripped it out of his chest and shoved it in there. He would have had to have taken Reen to the black workshop to give him a heart transplant of some sort. All the while then giving himself a new means of living without a heart to the point to where Crow could shoot him in the heart area and he not die. What in the world? So this is one reason why I had to do the spoiler podcast is just to kind of get these thoughts out in the open and, and out of my brain because they make no sense whatsoever. What in the world is going on? Like you think you understand what this game is all about. And then it just introduces some insane ideas like nobody can die. Uh, everybody that you think is dead, eh, they're just fine. No big deal. Uh, you don't need a heart to live. So yeah, that Osborne finally reveals what he did. And, uh, he's just, he's just awful. Like, and he's got his own divine night as well. Like, who is this guy? How does he get all this power and influence? It makes it makes no sense. His whole deal makes no sense, and I hope, I guess at some point it's going to have to be, you're going to have to cross swords with with your father. Um, that cliffhanger ending with, uh, he's got you in a chokehold, and basically making you choose is, uh, is very interesting. It's going, to, it's going to be interesting to see how things uh, work out. When and if we ever get part four, uh, you know, America certainly dragging their feet on that whole, uh, whole project. There's still one divine night yet to be revealed. We don't know who that is, how the Jaeger King comes back to life. Never really got explained how, um, Sandlot is still alive after, all these years. Um, I had thought who the last night would be, would actually be, um, Dreykel's. Maybe he's still alive, uh, somewheres, but, um, Reen is, is in, um, his divine night. So that, that's not possible. 
It's I'm guessing it's a character that maybe hasn't been revealed yet. Uh, so yeah, speaking of people who won't die, Franz Reinford is still alive, and he's the one heading up the Black Workshop. I mean, poor Lisa, right? How <laughs> how how does she deal with her father all of a sudden come back to life? Uh, her mom basically having suspicions that he was still alive all this time, but yeah, that's fine. He, he, he seemed to have died in that accident, but I guess he didn't. You would think you would know if your husband died or not in an accident. Um, I guess with crow, I mean, they, they buried the guy and he still is alive, but, um, didn't seem like there was this funeral and they buried him or anything like that. They kind of just skipped out on that part. So yeah, Lisa has to deal with all that craziness of her father who thought's been dead for 10 or 15 years is actually still alive and is one of the ultimate bad guys. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. So her and Rain definitely have that in common. Their dads are, are total deadbeats and, um, are evil dictator types. That's always good. And the connection to France, we found, you know, we learned that Sharon was the one that caused the explosion. She was sent there to fight. I guess, was it to fight him and kill him? Or just he just happened to get caught up in the accident. Um, pledges loyalty to the Reinford family over Ouroboros. States it numerous times. And as soon as this jerk face shows back up, ruining everybody's day, she's like, oh yeah, my, uh, my allegiance is over. And now I am enforcer again, the severing chains. Thanks. Thanks, Sharon. I I loved Sharon as a character. I thought she was fantastic. Um, and then kind of pulls this stunt at the very end. It was, uh, it was completely... Didn't see that one coming, coming either. I thought she would be one of the ones to kind of fight alongside with you uh, when push came to shove. Um, and it definitely seemed like at the end, as you're fighting your way down uh, the Rebos... And with the weird blood draining all there down to the bottom. That was kind of weird. Like each set of battles you had to fight. It definitely seemed like each one of the bad guys or quote bad guys you were fighting off against were like, Hmm, is this, is this really what, what we should be doing? I guess on the inside and on the outside, we'll talk about the outside in a minute. Um, yeah, especially like the Iron Bloods. I mean, you knew Claire was conflicted at best before. She didn't want to be fighting against you. Obviously, you know, many of them did not want to be fighting against you. It even seemed like Rufus and um, <clears throat> Lecter definitely came around to like, yeah, we'll do his will, but man, this is, this seems wrong. Like, something isn't right. As if the end of the world was not wrong enough, <laughs> you know? Um, just odd, odd stuff. Obviously you get to the bottom and you save Altina and man, poor Milliam. You, you got to respect what she did. And it certainly saved everybody, including her little sister. But man, that was, that was tough. You couldn't help but love Milliam. What a great, uh, fun character. Always, uh, Always just out there having a good time and just being herself. 
And then, yeah, Usus did not take that one very well at all. Um, a lot of, a lot of more little things we should definitely, uh, talk about. Um, on a side note between Milliam and Altina, did you guys notice, and I don't, I haven't played the Crossbell series game. Hopefully we'll get those in the West at some point and I can play them. But Tio, she has the same eyes and she definitely acts robotic. Is she a, is she a homunculus too? Have they ever said that she is? I, it was like the first thing I thought of, but she certainly seems very robotic and, um, has some unusual powers. So that was my first guess on, uh, on her as well. Uh, other class members we'll talk about before the big stuff, big, uh, big ending. I thought Sarah was incredible. Um, her decision to be going back to a bracer, leaving the campus was great. Her involvement with your party was, uh, was fantastic. I always loved Sarah as a character and she, anytime she was available, she was definitely in my party. Purple lightning, a plus character. Um, Ash, man, Ash is such a complex character. Is he not like you hate the guy when you first meet him? Such a jerk. You got to start to play with him. And as soon as I could get him powered up, he was always in my party. He would break people like crazy. He'd do insane brink damage. His crafts were very good. Um, him and Reen would just go out there and tear people apart. So I grew to kind of like him. Then you kind of learned what was going on with him with being one of the survivals of of Hamill and his upbringing and his mom died and the, I guess for lack of a better word, the prostitute raising him dancer, I guess you could call her. You felt so bad for the guy. You grew to like him. You knew he was a spy working with the intelligence division, or at least with Lecter on what was going on. And then he gets taken over by that evil inside of him in his eye. And is forced to do something which I'm sure he wanted to do in some aspects. But then did he? Was he being controlled? You kind of wonder, you know, to what extent he was being controlled by that evil. And uh, ended up shooting the king. Who... I mean, how many shots did the king take? It looked like he took multiple and was bleeding out pretty well, but he, as of the close of the game, he had not died yet. He was still in critical condition. Um, the rough day for the, for the royal family. I mean, and, you know, Cedric, who you hate, and then he kind of does a few good things, and you try to like him again. And then in the end, he's total iron blood like the entire time and right there with the chancellor doing his bidding so he can get back in the divine night that you had to rescue him from, the Vermilion Apocalypse. That little punk needs a slap upside the head. <laughs> awful, awful kid. Um, Alfina and Elise, great characters. I thought their progression was very well done. Um as well. 
Um, what is the connection between Principal Le Guin and Musée? We saw the one scene with Musée kind of taking the seat of power in uh, in her city, and I forget the name off the top of my head of it. But they don't announce that to anybody. It kind of looks like she's some sort of like protege of Le Guin, but at the same time, uh, Le Guin seems to uh, not serve her, but definitely is um, working along with her for sure. So it'd be interesting to see what exactly that connection is. Um, like I said, there's so many, so many questions. So I guess the biggest questions at the end are, well, not the biggest questions, but man, the biggest happening of, um, Victor Arsade, Prince Olivert, and Tobel getting blown up on the courageous. Uh, in terms of shocking happenings in a game, that was right up there. Um, it didn't feel good, did it? Like, you, you just immediately felt awful. Um, Tovel was kind of a good character. I didn't particularly love him or, or hate him. He just was a person. Um, I really liked uh, Prince Olivert. I thought he was a really fun character, the botcherous prince. Um, he was pretty cool. I didn't use him that couple of times that you could in battle. Um, but then, yeah, Laura's dad dying? Man, that's rough. Radiant Blade Master, like one of the strongest in the entire country. Although, definitely, Le Guin passed him in strength as uh, his protege. And he definitely led on that his fight with... Um, Oh gosh, McBurn hurt him. That uh, the Black Flame had definitely uh, done its damage, and he was deteriorating. So maybe it's one of those cases where he preferred. Well, I'm sure he didn't want to die like that, but he would not have wanted to waste away in front of uh, those he cared about. But man, that was that was so shocking, and just laying down the whole. Uh, series of even the bad guys were like, man, really? Like that? Because no matter how bad some of these player guys were, like killing in cold blood just seemed to be that's the line that most of them wouldn't cross. I'm sure there's a few that might, but by and large, there was that like idea of uh, if you could defeat somebody in battle. And they ended up perishing. That's one thing. But that seemed to be a line that nobody was really willing to cross. Except for, obviously, uh, Franz Reifert. He was okay with it. <laughs> very uh, very bad. And I guess they definitely showed that possibility of happening. That one time at Heimdall Airport. There was those um, workers that were around all the airships. And one of them kind of had a weird, uh, weird look to it. I don't think that was. I don't know. I don't know who that was. I guess it could have been. Um, the, uh, oh gosh, what's his name? The Enforcer number one. The trickster guy. 
Do you think he could have planted that? Because he's the one that had the reaction of, oh, man, like that? Because if he planted the explosives on the Kratos and then it exploded like that, he had to know that was a possibility of happening. Maybe he just thought it was going to explode the ship with nobody on it so they'd lose the lose their wing, the crimson wings. But I don't know. It A lot of people reacted very, very badly to that. And as did... As did I. Um, And I'm sure there's a ton more questions and things that we can talk about. But I've been rambling on for 45 minutes about this. And I think that's about all I I can say about it. Um, Great, great game. It makes me so much more enthusiastic and, and need Cold Steel 4 soon. And NIS America needs to make it happen. So, guys, did you enjoy this spoiler cast? Would you like to hear some more of them? I don't think we could dive as deep into other titles as we could about this one because you're talking about three games worth of content, basically trying to um, not wrap up. Obviously, there's another game, but there's still more that we could talk about. But I think we're going to leave it kind of at that. This has been... The Sunday special episode five, the spoiler cast episode. Um, don't forget to give us a like, Facebook, subscribe on YouTube. We're doing customer support or customer, but we're doing listener support. You can click the link at the bottom down there. You can follow us on uh, Instagram. We have our website. Invite you to go check that out. And, and um, if you leave a review, that's awesome. But you know, Tell your friends, like share on social media. Anybody that you think would actually like the podcast, I would be thrilled if you would share it and try to spread the word. That's what we're trying to do. Get more people out there to give us a listen. That's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you guys next time on the JRPG Report.